You're listening to episode 32 of the STEM Space. Today, Natasha and I are talking about futurism. How do we prepare kids to think about their future? And what technologies can we bring into the classroom, like extended reality and holograms, to help teach STEM? Welcome to the STEM Space, hosted by Vivify co-founders Claire and Natasha. Two aerospace engineers turned educators, sharing our passion for all things STEM. Check us out at vivifystem.com. Hey, Natasha, how are you doing? Hey, Claire, I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm well, I'm overwhelmed at the moment. (laughs) I just started my master's degree program. And I mean, it's no joke. You've been doing it for a while. So maybe you have some pointers to how I cannot stay up until 2 a.m. every night writing papers. (laughs) I will say when I first started, I was like the overachiever student and now I've relaxed a bit and I better understand kind of the expectations because I know whenever you first start something, you're just not sure where the bar is, right? That's exactly (laughs) right. Yeah, how much do I cite? How long does this need to be? And you'll figure it out. But how is it going? First, let's tell the audience, what is your master's in? Okay, so I'm getting my master's degree in the Department of Educational Psychology at Texas A&M with an emphasis on creativity and cognition. So that's like, how do we problem solve? How, How does our brain work? How can I be a better STEM teacher and help kids navigate that world of problem solving and thinking outside the box? So I'm really excited about this master's degree program and specifically the court, my first course that I'm taking is just so interesting to me and it's on emerging technologies. Ooh, yeah. tell me more. I want to talk a little bit about the first three subjects that we've already started. This is a condensed course because it's in the summer. So a lot is being thrown at me right now and I'm just soaking it in. So maybe you might have some more information as far as the use of some of these technologies in the classroom, but I want to give you some of the background of what I've been learning. Awesome. So the first thing that we talked about was something called futurism. Have you ever heard of this? Something that happens in the future? (laughs) Pretty good guess. (laughs) It does imply that there is something thinking about the future, and that's really what it is, but there's more structure to it. So there's actually a whole organization devoted to thinking like a futurist, and it's a way to look five or 10 years in the future and look at signals that are happening right now and be able to kind of predict what will be important and how we can equip ourselves now to get there. Wait, wait, what are signals? What do you mean? Okay. So I want to explain that as well. So if you look back in the past, we always look at history as how can we learn from things that have already happened, right? So a signal would be something that you pick up on as a trend that's happening that you can say, ooh, I see this is catching on or being important, or maybe we should be more concerned about this because of what we're kind of seeing happening. So for example, way back in the day when the printing press first started becoming this thing, people started seeing issues with, oh, they're mass distributing information. 
could they also be mass distributing misinformation? And so that became a signal of how do we protect ourselves now that we're able to disseminate things so quickly? How do we protect ourselves from that staying the truth? So looking back at our history with the printing press, we see that happening now, right? So this is a continued thing that the um, that futurists look at and say, okay, this has been a pattern throughout history that as we develop new technologies, we still need to be aware of. How can we protect ourselves right now to be protected in the future? So pretty complex subject, but it's- So just- is this just based on technology? Um, so when you're studying it in your class, are they focused on like the educational aspect or this is just all technology affecting all of humankind? Both. So okay. yes, we do talk about technology in general, but then also talk about its uses in education. So yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. And so there's this kind of cycle that happens with futuristic thinking where you first develop this foresight. So you're looking at a view of the future, like constantly, you're constantly thinking of, okay, how can this impact the future? And then you take that foresight and turn it to insight where you're looking at how something could impact the future. And you think, oh, I think that this might be happening. Here's my insight into what the current pattern is or what the movement is. And then you take that insight and turn it into action, some way forward, a plan to help us get an early look at to how we can help that technology and prevent problems happening. So it's this continual cycle in futuristic thinking, which I thought was so interesting because we talk about how we equip our students in the classroom to be problem solvers. And I feel like having this futuristic mentality, it should be part of that. You shouldn't just be thinking about how to problem solve right now. It should always be in the future. And that's why we do education, right? Is to equip our students for the future. Think five to 10 years out, probably more to like 10 years when they're out in the workforce. Um, if it's right. you know my teaching in elementary school. So that is what we're doing is trying to promote futuristic thinking. So I think this is a really interesting subject that as I dive more into it, I wanna continue talking about. So we can see how we can have those conversations with our kids and start training their brains to think that way. I also like this as an approach to history class, right? Like as you're learning about history, having the teacher have kids reflect on, okay, how does this technology we're learning about in the 1920s have an impact in our society? And then how will that possibly evolve in the future? That would be pretty cool way to learn and, you know, I guess, connected to their own life. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I think I would have probably enjoyed history class more growing up if I would have seen those patterns and how they repeat. And I know a lot of history teachers are really good at doing that. And so I think, yeah, that's, that's key. That's a really good point. So, and so this was your first topic, right? Yes. Okay. So then what was topic number two? Topic number two was talking about XR. Do you know what? What? Uh, I can't even guess. Uh, I hear, I'm thinking like augmented reality is the first word, but that has not, is not the right acronym. So I have no idea. No, you're, you're on the right track. Yeah. AR augmented reality and VR virtual reality are a type of XR, which stands for extended reality. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Right. Okay. So I only knew of VR and AR. And so learning about XR was interesting because it it's like a bigger 
envelope of all these different types of realities. There's also something called MR, which is mixed reality, and DR, <laughs> which is diminished reality. So these are all kind of crazy. And I was, I was reading about them. I was like, I don't understand why these are useful. But the more I got into it, it's fascinating the way that we've brought in these new technologies and how we can use them in the classroom. So let's back up a little bit and talk about what you're familiar with, which is AR, augmented reality. So when you think of augmented reality, what is that? So that's like merge cube, right? So you have this little, um, yeah. you're looking at the world, but then it's something is added to it. Like you right. can look at a rocket ship in 3D, kind of like a hologram. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, so it's you're still using the same environment that you're in, but you're able to add components that are virtual to it. And so then virtual reality, that's kind of like augmented reality, except you remove your current situation. So you're not in with the same place that you're in. You usually right. have to wear those special glasses or goggles or whatever, and it takes you to a different place. Mm -hmm. So you're no longer interacting with your own environment. What's interesting about virtual reality as compared to augmented reality is a lot of people are giving a lot of pushback, saying that it's not developmentally appropriate for a lot of younger students because it blurs those lines of reality. I mean, obviously. Yeah, I never thought about that. But that they, they can't really comprehend what's really happening because you're removing them from their current place. And that's hurting them mentally and their vision. A lot of problems are popping up due to kids being immersed in virtual reality for too, too long of a time, that it's hurting their vision. <laughs> Another problem with that is that a lot of virtual reality that they're coming up with, like these fancy glasses and things, don't take into consideration people that already need vision correction, which should be a, like a really easy fix, I would think. And so there currently is no virtual reality or augmented reality glasses that compensate for people who wear glasses already. <laughs> that seems like that should be a product happening right now. Like somebody go make this. Something that's like really easy, right? Yeah, yeah I don't know. So another thing that I mentioned that you have not heard of before is DR, that's diminished reality. So that's another thing that's not fully immersive. So you're still anchored in your physical environment, but you have certain visuals and sounds or other sensory elements that are suppressed. At first when I read that, I was like, well, why, why even do that? Like, I don't understand. Like, you don't wanna hear the sound of what you're seeing or I don't, I don't know what that's for. But then as I was talking with some of the other students, I have a lot of special education teachers in my class, and they were talking about how that could be super useful for kids who have trouble focusing. And so it could remove some of the distractions and they're able to focus in on what you're, what you're teaching. So I thought, oh, that's a really interesting way to use that kind of technology. So is the technology, I mean, all I can think of is earplugs, right? You want to take out the noise or an eye mask, you want to not see as much or see at all. Is there something else with that? No, I mean, this is kind of a new technology. So I don't really know what the actual uh, things would be that you could use in the classroom for that, but that's just kind of the concept. So I really don't know. Yeah. And so you mentioned something when you're talking about the merge cube that I is my next topic. So you mentioned holograms. And holographic yes. displays are currently a type of extended reality. And 
that by far has been my favorite subject that we're learning. And do you know much about holograms? Is it like Star Wars? <laughs> I was wondering if you'd say that. That is like the most, the biggest thing that people say when they think of holograms are like Princess Leia. That, that was a hologram. Right. And what's interesting is that so many of these technologies and so many technologies today started off as science fiction. So we saw them in TV shows or in movies. And then people were like, oh, you know, that makes me think of this type of science. And I bet we could actually create that. So as I was doing some research on the reason like why things come about, like our holograms coming because of Star Wars, interesting fact is that the pacemaker, you know, the implanted pacemaker that helps some people that have irregular heart rhythms, Right. That was invented by a guy who saw the movie Frankenstein when he was eight. And then he became this expert in electricity. And he was looking at Frankenstein and was like, wow, you could, you know, revive something using electricity and started thinking about how the heart uses, can use these electrical impulses. So you definitely can create new technology based on science fiction. I thought that was fascinating. With holograms though, what's interesting about them is that we've created some really cool visuals that look like holograms. Like right now in um, entertainment, there's like Tupac was brought back to do these live shows, but it wasn't really him because he passed away, right? Have you seen that? Right. Yeah, and I, Michael Jackson, they did that with him too. Exactly, yeah. So those were called holograms, but they're not really. We actually do not have the technology yet to create real holograms. What we can do right now is projecting an image onto a 2D surface that we can't really see. So they make like glass, but they do it at such an angle to where it looks like it's real, like in 3D, but it's really not. There's only one group of students at BYU who have actually figured out how to make a real hologram. And what they're doing is they're shining these lasers where they've isolated some sort of particle in 3D space. And that particle, they can make it move and then shine the light on it to change different colors. And if they make oh. it move fast enough, it's kind of like when you use a sparkler on 4th of July, you know, mm -hmm. you, move it, it, you can make it look like you're writing in cursive. Yeah. No, it's only a point in space. It's, you're not actually making a line. So they're doing that with a particle that they're shining a laser onto and making a 3D object. So what's different about that than what we can do right now is that a true hologram is more of a volumetric image to where any point that you look at it, any perspective, you could walk all the way around it and it would look 3D. Whereas right now, what we call holograms, you can only be standing at a certain place for it to look 3D. You can't walk all the way around it. See how that's a difference? Yeah, but that's crazy. I've never thought about how to actually make a hologram. I just felt like it should just happen. Right. <laughs> that sounds very complicated. I know, me too. And what's really interesting is that People are trying to make these holograms, but because the technology doesn't really exist yet on a large scale, they're creating things with the futuristic mindset to be able to make it to where people, when they figure out the technology, can make what they're creating into a 3D hologram. So let me explain that. So there is an organization that is filming uh, World War II Holocaust survivors giving interviews and they filmed them 
in this dome where they're taking pictures of like from 200 cameras from all different angles and they're cataloging these interviews so that in the future when we're able to create holograms they can use all that data to create the hologram but we don't we're not able to do that yet so what they're doing with that right now though is still projecting it to where it looks like a hologram so that as we're starting to lose these Holocaust survivors, because they're, they're getting up in age, that we're able to preserve their memories. And they're coupling this with artificial intelligence. So what they're doing is they're interviewing these people for like nine to five every day for a whole week, asking them questions. And then they put in on the computer all the different questions that they asked and different ways to ask those questions. And then they're using these projected images with the interview of these people and putting them in like museums where students can ask questions of this hologram and it looks like the person is sitting in front of you and they get the computer will find the response of the question that you asked and then say it. So it looks like you're having a conversation with somebody that's in the room with you, but they actually aren't there. Wow. And I watched one of these videos and I'm going to link it in the show notes. And like, I was just floored with how amazing of a use of this technology is. There's actually in the Holocaust Museum in Dallas is one place where they're using this. And it's just incredible. The students could ask, it looks like they're having a regular conversation and every question they asked, there was an answer. And it sounded like the person sitting there was answering their question, but they, that person had apparently passed away a couple of years ago. But wow. just thinking about the way that we can teach students by not only taking them somewhere virtually, like on a field trip, but actually having them interact with history or interact with the subject matter that they're interested in, in a way where no longer are they being told, this is how you're gonna learn it. These are the objectives. These are the learning outcomes, but they're kind of directing it themselves of saying, well, this is what I wanna know about the Holocaust. I wanna know about this experience. How much more valuable is that for our education? Man, I was not expecting this turn in your class. Right? How can this topic be so emotional? Wow, that is crazy. Yeah, I love so that. I was just thinking if we had holograms like that in our classrooms where, you know, you don't have to go to a museum to see this. There, this mm -hmm. organization that I'm going to link um, in the show notes is trying to make it to where anybody can access and bring these people into your room with you and you can interact with them. I see that as more just not even just preserving our information, but preserving our humanity. If we look back and see these signals of history repeating themselves and us trying to project in the future, well, how can we prevent bad things from happening? Or how can we make sure that technology is doing good things? We need that. We need to build those deeper relationships with things that we don't have access to normally. And it's just incredible what that can do. I was really emotional last night watching all these videos of these Holocaust survivors. Yeah. It's just amazing. And on a lighter note, I was even thinking about how, like I love uh, paleontology is kind of like my hobby, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I love the Jurassic Park movies, but I always thought that a velociraptor would be like the most terrifying thing, right? When you've seen those movies. Right. I mean, they're like vicious genius hunters and they're huge you know <laughs> um 
but they're actually the size of a turkey. No, they're not. Yeah, they really are. Because <laughs> I was thinking like, how tall do I need to be to be the size of one? That would give me like a chance, right? So I, I looked it up and I was like, wait, <laughs> they're the size of a turkey. Like you could like kick it. <laughs> but what if things like that were brought into the classroom? I mean, it's not going to stick with you as much if you see something 2D flat on a paper in a book, right? But if you were able to bring it holographically to where it's occupying 3D space in the classroom and be like, oh, that's different. You know, how many myths could we bust by bringing something full scale into the classroom? So that's totally different than just virtual reality right? Because you're able to actually interact with it in your own environment and it can be the actual scale of what it is. I'm loving this class. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> well, you're only on, yeah, you said you're only on week two, right? Right. I cannot wait to hear what else your class is going to cover. And I'm still processing this like futuristic mindset. I think that that can definitely be such a powerful tool, like I mentioned in history, but in so many other subjects to just really have things, kids think forward about, like you mentioned, we always talk about jobs are going to change so drastically in the next 10, 20 years. That's, that's the same concept, right? How we can prepare kids for what's coming. And as a STEM teacher, we always talk about 21st century skills. Well, what are the skills kids are going to need in the future? And what are these cool technologies that are coming that kids can use? So Let's uh, definitely talk again soon for this, whatever topics you have coming, because I feel like they're going to blow my mind. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, stay tuned.